Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thank you for joining us today for another Tale of Innovation. Today, I'm joined by Megan Baldwin. She is CEO of Opthea, an Australia-based startup with a lead compound called OPT302. This compound is a soluble receptor that blocks the activity of endothelial growth factors VEGF-C and VEGF-D. Both, of course, are involved in the progression of retinal and corneal disease, and Opthea is hoping to parlay some early success, some early clinical success of OPT302 into a mutually beneficial relationship with larger partners going forward. The company has drawn some uh, considerable interest from U.S. investors, including Baker Brothers and the Biotechnology Value Fund. So it's definitely a story worth hearing. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Megan Baldwin, thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Great to speak with you today. We don't have a, a very great many opportunities to speak with uh, companies in Australia, so I'm glad we were able to make this work. I know it took a little bit of juggling on our, our schedules, but tell us a bit about Opthea. It's actually it's part of a larger company, uh, but it's got a, a great focus in ophthalmology. Yeah, so Opthea is a subsidiary company. It's a wholly owned subsidiary company of a publicly listed company on the Australian Stock Exchange called Circadian Technologies. And Optia was set up about two to three years ago now, specifically to develop our VEGF technology for the treatment of ophthalmic diseases. So within our company, we have a very extensive intellectual property platform that's related to members of the VEGF family. We set up Optia specifically to um, uh, develop the technology for the treatment of wet AMD and uh, in the future, potentially also other eye diseases. Um, Really, the focus of uh, both the private Opthea company as well as the public entity, though, has evolved over recent years such that um, that wet AMD program, the one that we're developing, OPT302, for the treatment of wet AMD, is really the focus of the company. It's our lead molecule, and uh, that's the one that we're moving forward through clinical development. But yes, we are a publicly listed company, and Opthea is uh, the ophthalmology um, uh, subsidiary that's developing uh, OPT302, Tom. And I'm curious, what, uh, what benefits does having a, an, an entity or a subsidiary focus on, an ex- on exclusively on one disease state? What, what benefits does that present for you? Does it just make things simpler? Yeah, so historically, uh, Circadian, the public company, had a number of different programs in its pipeline. Um, one of those was an oncology program where Uh, We have an antibody that's advanced through um, phase one clinical development. Um, And then um, following that program, we started to look at the potential of um, our technology in eye diseases. So the subsidiary was really set up um, to allow us to have a focus on ophthalmology and enabled us to present the program as a clean story to potential investors, but also... Um, I was appointed CEO of that private uh, company a number of years ago now, and it really just helps us to have a much more simpler, uh, comprehensive story that is not uh, really diluted by some of the other programs that historically we've had within within the publicly listed entity. 
And what are the origins of, of uh, OPT302? Well, the technology that we have within Opthea, uh, as I said, is, is really centred on a very large intellectual property portfolio uh, that is related to two members of the VEGF family. And those members of the VEGF family are vascular endothelial growth factor C, uh, so VEGF C, as well as VEGF D, and one of the receptors to which they bind, which is VEGF receptor 3. So IYP is related to those members of the VEGF family. And the technology, as well as that, some of that IP arose from research that was really conducted at two sites from around the world. The first one being the University of Helsinki uh, in Dr. Kari Alitalo's laboratory, who's really the founder of VEGF Receptor 3. He was also the person that identified uh, VEGF C and has conducted a lot of, um, uh, of um, characterisation work on that on that pathway. And the second uh, uh, site uh, was uh, from research that was conducted here in Melbourne, Australia at the Ludwig Institute in the laboratory of Dr. Ashen and Dr. Stacker who did a lot of early um, academic research on, on VEGFD. So our molecule OPT302 is an optimised derivative of a soluble form of VEGF receptor 3. Um, it's a molecule that acts as a trap it's structurally very similar to the structure of ILEA, but it does have a differentiated and novel mechanism of action. Unlike ILEA that binds to VEGF A, our molecule is a trap for VEGF C and D. And on their own, VEGF C and D can very potently stimulate angiogenesis or blood vessel growth, but they can also uh, act to cause vessels to leak. So when we use OPT302 to block the actions of VEGF C and D, we can have a very potent anti-angiogenic effect, but we can also have a very potent uh, blockade of vascular leakage as well. And we know that those are two um, very important hallmarks of the progression of wet AMD. Uh, so the molecule itself, it consists of an extracellular domain of VEGF receptor 3, uh, and it's fused to the FC domain of human IgG1 which means that it's a trap molecule, it's a large protein biologic therapy, it has very good um, pharmacokinetics and biodistribution properties uh, when we inject it intravitrally in, um, in, in preclinical models and um, right now we've advanced that into a phase 1-2A clinical study that's just getting underway in the United States. And the, the pursuit of CND, that is something that, that Althea is, is pursuing exclusively in ophthalmology? It is. So we have, as I said, um, really a controlling intellectual property position on that molecule and um, we, as far as we are aware, really the only company that has a specific biologic inhibitor of those two members of the VEGF pathway. And we're really excited about, um, about targeting VEGF C and D. Uh, typically when many people think of VEGF inhibition, they think of inhibition of VEGF A. Um, but the VEGF family is more than just VEGF A, it also includes these other members uh, of the VEGF and two of which, namely VEGF C and D, can bind and activate the same receptor to which VEGF A binds. And that's important because as we know there are a proportion of patients that don't respond adequately to inhibition of VEGF A. There can be persistent angiogenesis and persistent vascular leakage that can occur when patients receive um, a VEGF A inhibitor. What we offer with our OPT302 molecule is uh, a strategy to block these alternate um, 
factors or signals that can drive those processes through exactly the same pathway that VEGFA binds. So on their own, they have potent um, activity, but used in combination, what we can achieve with a VEGFA inhibitor is a much more complete blockade of signaling through VEGF receptor 2, and that can shut down mechanisms of escape or sub-responsiveness to those other therapies. And so when we use our drug in combination in preclinical models, for example, we've shown that there's an added benefit and a more complete reduction in lesion development and a more complete inhibition of vascular leakage when we use our drug as a combination therapy with, with a VEGFA inhibitor. And we think that that's a very important um, mechanism or strategy to target the sub-responsiveness that can occur uh, to patients that receive Lucentis and ILEA, for example, um, who, who, are, who are suffering from wet AMD. So your early clinical testing, is it done as a, as a combination therapy or do you first have to test it singularly? Well, we've sought feedback from um, the FDA at multiple stages along our, um, our preclinical and now as we advanced into a clinical development. And the FDA has reviewed our clinical trial protocol and um, allowed us to move directly into a dose escalation um, study uh, directly into wet AMD patients as a combination therapy. So that phase one, uh, phase one uh, dose escalation component of our clinical trial uh, importantly allows us to move directly into patients directly as a combination therapy in a multiple dose uh, ascending clinical trial where patients will receive three monthly doses of OPT302 in combination with standard of care lacentis therapy. And what, is your, what was your experience with the FDA in putting together these early trials? It seems like things went, things went well. Yeah, so in terms of our phase one uh, design, we, we sought input from the FDA in a pre-IND meeting uh, back in um, May of 2014, and that was prior to us having initiated our, um, our non-clinical safety toxicology studies. So we, we really sought input in our non-clinical program as well as our clinical strategy uh, prior to getting too far down the path. And, and that was really to obtain guidance uh, for the regulatory and clinical path um, to provide clarity on the steps that, we, that were required for our IND submission. Um, the, the, we got feedback on our manufacturing criteria, our scope and design of uh, the safety toxicology work as well as the, as well as the clinical trial design. Obviously, during the review of our IND, which has happened much more recently, our clinical trial protocol was extensively reviewed. Um, that tr trial protocol um, came back with really no clinical comments on the study design. That allowed us to progress um, directly into wet AMD patients and enabled us to uh, test OPT302 administered in combination with standard of care lacentis therapy using um, the multiple dose regimen uh, in which patients receive three uh, monthly doses, doses of OPT302 in combination with lacentis over a three monthly period. Um, so we're pretty excited to be initiating that study, that study uh, with a therapeutic strategy that we think really does address a key unmet medical need for with AMD patients. We offer those patients um, a combination strategy where we can achieve a much more complete suppression of the VEGF pathway, which um, can give rise to um, sub-responsiveness or um, escape mechanisms uh, to the existing therapies that are on the market. And we think that that combination strategy will translate into 
better visual uh, and anatomical outcomes uh, for wet AMD patients that receive the combination therapy. And how large are these early trials that you're, uh, that you're conducting? Yes, yeah, so the phase one uh, dose escalation study consists of uh, three combination uh, cohorts, each of um, between five and eight patients. Uh, five patients uh, in the low dose, mid dose, and then a high dose uh, combination cohort. Um, and then once we've um, start to enrol at the high dose, we'll also open it up to concurrently uh, test patients um, at that high dose with OPT administered as a, as a monotherapy as well. So that's a total of, um, of, of about 20 patients uh, in the phase one dose escalation uh, phase of the clinical study. In the dose expansion or phase 2A component, uh, we would propose to enrol an additional 15 patients as a monotherapy at the highest dose. Uh, and as a combination therapy, which uh, results in an additional 30 patients in that 2A uh, uh, cohort or component of the phase um, 1 2A clinical trial. So in total, Tom, it's about 50 patients that we're looking to recruit for the, for the phase 1 2A clinical trial. So it's a very robust uh, first-in-man clinical study and one that um, is, has the primary objective of obviously looking at, at, at safety outcomes for patients but we've incorporated multiple measures of uh, clinical activity as secondary outcome measures in that clinical trial as well. So we'll be looking at uh, secondary outcome measures of um, visual acuity as well as central retinal thickness, fluorescein angiography, size of the wet AMD lesions, um, and we'll be monitoring um, uh, resolution of fluid in those patients as well by OCT. And where will the trials be conducted? Yeah, so the trial, as I said, is being conducted under um, an FDA-approved IND, and we're conducting it at, at the moment, we have um, five leading uh, clinical sites open in the United States, and uh, we anticipate also opening it up to some additional sites as well uh, in preparation for the Phase 2A component of the clinical study. So although we're based in, based in Melbourne, Australia, most of our um, our activities are indeed focused on the US market and a key strategy for us is engaging leading uh, principal investigators located in the United States and uh, advisors and a clinical advisory board that are also composed uh, predominantly of US investigators and advisors as well. So we have a very much um, a global uh, a global outlook on our development program and uh, that's reflected in our clinical trial also being conducted uh, in the United States. Have you pursued any sort of uh, approvals outside the US? Uh, not at this point. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the FDA obviously doing our trial under an IND uh, is, is really, uh, we think, the, 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 the gold standard for um, regulatory um, for a regulatory path. As we move into a larger phase 2B clinical study um, at the completion of the, of the current clinical trial, we'll be looking at opening up sites uh, both within Australia but potentially also within the EU. And at that point, we'll then um, uh, obviously consider the, the regulatory path in those different, um, different regions. But right now, that FDA-approved uh, IND also enables us to conduct um, clinical studies uh, uh, you know, in, in Australia as well. And uh, we'll be investigating whether or not um, we, we expand those sites in later clinical studies into the EU. And just finally, uh, these 
initial trials, at least they sound modest and manageable, but eventually these can get expensive. How, how well capitalized is your company? I know you've got a few uh, hedge funds that have invested in, in uh, what is an early stage company, which I found interesting, but how much capital do you anticipate needing and, and how well capitalized are you right now? Right, so we um, conducted um, and completed a, a significant fundraising at the end of 2014 and that, those funds were raised uh, really with the sole focus of moving OPT302 through phase 1 to A clinical studies as well as through a larger phase 2 phase 2B clinical uh, trial as well. So we're fully funded through uh, the end of 2017, early into 2018 as well, and fully funded through um, that clinical trial program, including the phase 2B clinical study. Uh, we have um, also been based in Australia, the ability to leverage the uh, federal government's um, R&D tax incentive, which returns 45% uh, cash back on any funds that we spend on research and development activities. And what that does is really make for a highly efficient use of our capital um, in, in our development program. So right now we're sufficiently funded through our clinical trial program. That's assisted through the R&D tax incentive that's, uh, that's run through the Federal Government of Australia. And um, uh, we did complete that fundraising at the end of last year. At that, that time, we welcomed several uh, new healthcare-specific investors onto our register. Um, some of those uh, are based in the United States and some of our largest shareholders are actually sophisticated healthcare funds um, that have supported the company um, over a number of years, but um, some of which we've also welcomed more recently with the completion of the fundraising. So I think those new investors as well as our ex existing investors can really see the potential of our technology. Given our current valuation, they see uh, the potential uplift in our valuation as we continue to advance our clinical program through um, development and, and as we meet clinical milestones, there's really a significant potential for uplift in that valuation. Um, I imagine that uh, that that our technology as well as our um, successful fundraising has really put us on the radar of several hedge funds over the past months and certainly over the past year. Uh, and uh, I, think, I think the fact that we've attracted very um, sophisticated healthcare investors onto our register as an ASX-listed company is really a strong endorsement of our technology, of our development path and of our management team to deliver on those clinical milestones. That's outstanding. Well, I, I thank you for taking the time to tell off the story today, and, I, and I'm sure we'll hear more about you uh, at a future OIS. Yeah, great, Tom. It's great to speak with you, and I do hope to um, be at the OIS meeting, uh, OIS meeting in uh, November in Las Vegas this year. Thanks very much. Excellent. I'll see you there. Thank you, Megan Baldwin, for joining us. It was a bit of a challenge getting our uh, schedule synced, but it was certainly worth it. A great conversation, a very interesting company. Uh, Optia will be a story to follow going forward. And if you think your company is, uh, has a similar story, one that should be told at an upcoming conference, again, go to ois.net and fill out a form for presenting companies. And, of course, if you want to hear these stories and meet with over 800 of the uh, more influential investors, entrepreneurs, and executives in ophthalmology, then you should be at our upcoming OIS conference. So go to ois.net and register. 
and we'll see you in Las Vegas. OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application.